Excellent. Turn your Bibles, guess where, to Hebrews chapter 12 this morning. And uh, I think on the way out we should start doing um, tests to see whether anyone can say off by heart Hebrews 12 verse 1. Because we've been in this for a while now, we're going to continue in it and the specific aspect of it this morning. So Hebrews 12 verse 1 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. I want to encourage you, even though we've been reading this so many times, keep reading it like it's the first time you've read it this morning. Every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. So if you're new today or you haven't been around for a little while, we've been talking about this verse in verse 2 um, for a long while now and looking at different aspects of it. And a lot of what we've looked at has been about our individual race, our individual um, pursuit. We've been talking about the fact that there is a race that God has set for you to run and for me to run. And in a sense, it's an individual race in that you can't be accountable for my race. I can't be accountable for your race. I can shepherd you. I can support you. But when we stand before Jesus, he won't say to me, how was so-and-so's race? And he won't ask you, how was Steve's race? It will be up to me to be accountable for my race. So there's a lot that's very individual, but at the same time, and specifically over the last three weeks, we've begun to look at this truth that also, as well as being an individual race, it's in a sense a relay race. And we've begun to talk about that. We used the baton as a, ooh, that's loud, isn't it? As a visual illustration of this kingdom race that we are running. But actually, this baton can represent so much, and we've begun to look at a number of those different aspects. We spoke a few weeks ago about this representing church. The church, this that is here this morning, is not a, a, a weekly event that we turn up to on a Sunday morning, go through the motions and go home. This is not an event, this is not a building as we said. This is a faith community where we are running together. And as I run and you run alongside me, I'm there to support you, you are there to support me and together we make a kingdom difference in this community where God has placed us. Amen? And then... A couple of weeks ago, Pastor Sean from our Portsmouth congregation came along and spoke about discipleship. And remember the video that he played that Ellie referenced last week of, of the brothers running across the finishing line together. And he spoke about how as we run this race, we're there to spur one another on, to encourage one another in our faith race. And then last week, Ellie spoke a great word about unity. But if we're going to pass this baton around correctly, then we need to be a unified people. And remember, that doesn't mean uniformity. It doesn't mean we're all the same. We all have the same views and everything and all that kind of stuff. But it's this thought that actually as we run, we run in perfect harmony so that the kingdom of God can continue to be advanced. So there's been some great thoughts in what we've been looking at. I hope it's helping you. But I want to look this morning at another specific and simple yet very important message that as we run this race... There's a responsibility upon us that we have a responsibility to pass on this baton to the next generation. And I want to speak specifically into that thought this morning. So by we, I mean we, okay? So look at the person sitting next to you and say, he's talking about you this morning, okay? He's including you in this because I don't want anybody to discount themselves this morning. So if you're a parent of young children, of uh, generation Z, Gen Z, or Generation Alpha. If you're a parent of that generation, this is for you this morning, okay? If you're a grandparent 
This is for you this morning. If you're an aunt, you're an uncle, you're connected to a child in one way or another, this is for you. But even if natural children don't make up a part of your family setup, but you consider this to be your church home and you're part of this church community, this message is still for you. So this applies to every single one of us, no matter what age or stage or what we're doing in life. And we want to talk about each of those facets this morning. So Psalm 145. We're going to look at a foundational text to come off the back of. Psalm 145, verse 4 says this. Let each generation, so that includes you today, okay? Let the silent generation, I could get people to show a show of hands whether you're in this generation or that generation. I won't do that, I'm too polite. Whether you're aged between 77 and 94, you are part of a silent generation. Whether you are part of the baby boomer generation, aged between 58 and 76 this morning, this is for you. Whether you're Gen X, aged 42 to 57, whether you're a millennial here, aged 26 to 41, let each generation tell its children, both natural but also spiritual in the context of this community, let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts, O God. Let them proclaim... Your baton. Your baton? Your power. <laughs> we, I was thinking about what I was going to say next, we have a responsibility to pass on the kingdom baton to the next generation. Now, just hearing that this morning could fill you with dread, right? When you look at social media, when you look at the world around us, when you see at what kids are coming up against that may feel very different from your generation, that could fill us with dread this morning. But the truth is, every generation has its difficulties. Every age of society has its pitfalls, and it's no difference with this one. This generation has stuff that they're going through, and that's somewhat of an understatement. You probably already know that. They are the generation, as we've said many times before, who are so connected yet so isolated. This is a generation where kids are so tech-savvy, yet there are record levels of anxiety only made worse by the recent pandemic. This is an age where, let's be real, pornographic material is readily available on mobile phones in primary school playgrounds. Not, not even secondary school playgrounds, but that would be something in and of itself, but in primary school playgrounds. This is an age and a time where low self-esteem and depression and self-harm is on constant rise. This is a, a generation where mental health services and things like camps are completely overwhelmed and don't know how to deal with the mountain problems that are coming their way. This is a generation where ye- less young people profess a faith and a belief in God's word than ever before. This is a generation, and, and so we can talk about these things and be all nicey-nicey and live in cloud cuckoo land, or we can live in the reality of the world in which we're living in Today, this is a generation where anything seems to go. And we could look at that and that could deflate us. If you're a parent of a young child in this place today, or connected with a young child, you've got a niece or nephew, that could scare you this morning. That's the truth. Yet the reality is, generations come and go. Call them what you want, label them however you wish, come up with a new tag or a new label. Generations come and go, but one thing remains forever and constant, that is our Father God. Amen? Listen to this, Psalm 119, verse 90. Your faithfulness continues through all generations. Everybody say, all generations. 
You establish the earth and it endures. Psalm 33 verse 11. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. God is faithful and God is true. And God remains the answer to the issues that every generation faces. So when I look at the generation that we're talking about this morning, when I think about the generation that's rising up, when I look at what's going on on social media, when I look at what I'm seeing on the news, I see that we're left with two choices. We can give up or we can step up. We, we can choose to throw this baton to one side and just, you know what, we're just going to run our own, our own race and kind of uh, somebody else will have to take responsibility for those who are coming after us or we take responsibility for handing the baton on correctly. And so no matter what your age or stage or what your family setup is, I want to invite every single one of you this morning, whether you have children or not, I want to show you how God's word will show us today how we can make a kingdom difference to the generation and how we can take responsibility for the next generation coming up. So you up for that this morning? Okay, a few of you. I thought I was speaking in a Pentecostal church this morning. I must have turned up in the wrong car. Are we up for that this morning? Come on, we've got to take responsibility for this next generation. So let me start by talking about family setup. So whether you're parents, grandparents, aunties, uncles, whatever you might be this morning. The Bible shows us this. That God's primary way, now there are other ways, but God's primary way of shaping a generation into those who are countercultural, those who are mature children of God, those who are radically committed to the kingdom of God is through family, who teach and model a God centered, biblical led worldview of life. Okay? That's the problem. Now, when I say family, that can look very different for different people. Family may mean mum and dad. Family may mean just for mum. It may mean just for dad. You may be in a situation where you only have access to your children certain times of the week. I know that it looks very different for different people. Family may include grandparents at the heartbeat of what's taking place. Family may uh, include aunties and uncles. who are very, It can look so radically different for different people. I get that as I'm saying this this morning. But whatever family looks like, the primary training ground of Christianity and what it is to walk with God remains in the family setup and in the home. Listen, we have phenomenal kids' church in these different rooms and ignition behind. It's amazing what we put on for them every single week, but that's one hour a week. That's one hour a week, or if you include momentum, say two to three hours every single week or every other week. Think about the rest of the hours that they are bombarded by the things of this world. Think about the rest of the hours where they're walking into school and they've got their peer friendships and they've got all manner of different things around us. We've got to understand that we can't rely on others. We've got to stand in the gap. So the Bible says this, Deuteronomy 6, verse 5 to 7. This is Moses speaking to the Israelites and he shares this great recipe. Deuteronomy 6, 5 to 7, he says... And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today, the instructions of God. Now listen to what he says now. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road. When you're going to bed and when you are getting up. In other words, the greatest gift that we can give to our children and young people and family church is not the latest gadget. 
is not necessarily an experience. The greatest gift that we can give to them is to speak of God and our faith in a natural way, in the home, in the car, wherever you might be, that we would allow kids to ask questions. But we wouldn't just say, this is how it is. We would allow kids to ask questions, to form their own faith, so they're not piggybacking off the back of our faith. That we would talk about God's blessings. That we would invite them to pray for family situations. That we would share what God has to say on certain issues. Now, this kind of stuff is played out in part on a Sunday morning, but we cannot rely just upon that. That we, as family members, have a role and a responsibility in this relay race of faith. So let me ask you this morning, whether you're a grandparent, a parent, an auntie, an uncle, cousin, whatever you might be, think about your family setup. Let me ask you this, how much does God come into your family dynamics? Now I'm not asking that to put anybody in a place of guilt, far from it, please hear my heart. This is out of a place of inspiration and out of a place of encouraging each and every single one of us that there's a difference between bringing them one day a week to this thing called church And don't get me wrong, that's an important moment. We believe in raising children in the house of God. But there's a difference between that and actually modeling what it is to have an ongoing 24-7 relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So how does that look practically? Now, of course, that depends on age. It depends on realities of how often you have them and all different things like that. But it looks like there's praying for those children, praying with those children. Reading the Word of God with them, sharing your journey with them, being honest with them, letting them ask questions. Let me ask this this question. Are we raising the children, the next generation, in such a way that they would just survive this world? Oh, hopefully the things of this world won't, won't get you too bad and you'll just about make it through to heaven and then you'll be with Jesus and it will all be okay. Are we, are we just trying to get them through to the end of life, just about surviving, just about scraping through as a child of God? Or are we actually positioning them where they can walk with kingdom authority? Are we just scraping them through? Or are we even maybe even teaching them how to be successful and do life well in the natural way, where they have a good career and all those kind of things and none of it is wrong, but are we bringing them up to be kingdom-minded young people? Proverbs 22, verse 6, well-known verse, Train up a child in the way they should go, and in keeping with their individual gift or bent. I love that insertion from the Amplified Version, because if you have got kids or grandkids or you've got nieces or nephews, you know that every single child is different, right? When, when you have your first child, you think, yeah, I've got a little sussed, and then there's another child that's completely radically different, nature, nurture, every person, just like all of us are different, every child is different. And it says this, keep in, in line with their individual gift or bent, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. The message paraphrase says, point your kids in the right direction. And when they're old, they won't get lost. Let's just park that verse there. We're going to come back to it in just a moment. So Moses speaks to the nation of Israel, as we spoke about and looked at in the book of Deuteronomy. Now, we've got to understand, centuries after that, there was a man named Asaph. And Asaph was a worship leader in the tabernacle choir that King David had set up, and he'd positioned him as a worship leader. And he wrote Psalm 78. Now listen to what he says in Psalm 78, verses 4 to 7. He says, We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation, there it is again, about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. 
for he issued his laws to Jacob. He gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children so the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born. And they in turn will teach their own children. So each generation should set its hope in you on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. Again, this thought coming through of every generation teaching the next generation of what it is to walk with God and live life his way. It's our responsibility. Not just as family members, but as church community. It's our responsibility to bring up children and youth in God's ways, to value what God values, to teach them to live for his kingdom and not the kingdoms of this world, to explain to them, yes, we're in this world, but we're not of this world. We give them a God-centered, Bible-saturated view of life. Now, of course, it'd be easy if we just ended there and got on with But we know that that doesn't necessarily guarantee that there won't be moments where they wander off. We know that doesn't necessarily guarantee that there won't be moments where they doubt everything that you've raised them in. And and, and you may be sat here this morning and maybe you've got uh, older kids and maybe they've left home and, and you listen to me speak or you're listening on the audio later and you're listening to this reality and thinking about Proverbs 22 and you're thinking, well, hang on, I raised them in a certain way, but right now it seems like they're so far from you. What do I do now? We do exactly what God's word teaches us to, that we remain knowing that God's promise is faithful and he is true to every word that he has spoken and he is not a man that he would lie. And where it says that they will not depart from it, we will see them return to the house of God. Amen. Get ready, church, for prodigals to come home. Get ready. This morning we were praying and I just stirred that in my heart and, and so many things are being spoken. And said, prodigals are coming, coming home and we need to be a church that is ready to embrace them. So maybe you're there thinking, where are them? God's promise remains true. Maybe you're somebody who didn't become a Christian until you're later on in life. And so you didn't raise your kids in a, in a godly household. It just wasn't part of who you were. And you know that's just a reality of what your life looked like. What about you? That's where you do exactly the same. You pray for them. You model or change life. You say, that's who I was, but this is now who I am. And you believe God for their lives. So as family, we have a responsibility for the next generation. But in a church sense, in this spiritual family, in this family of God, because remember, this is not a weekly event. This is a community of faith where we are running together. The truth is we all have a responsibility for every child and every youth in this congregation called Family Church Haven. Do we believe that this morning? See, one of the greatest joys for Kirsty and I as we Look at 13 years of leading Family Church Haven't since we planted out 13 years ago. There's so many things that we could say that was a landmark, and, that's, and we give thanks to God for that. I, I think about the growth that we've seen numerically, but more importantly, spiritually. I think of every life that's been radically saved and, and people baptized in water and filled with the Holy Spirit and, and who they've become. Uh, it just so excites me, and I thank God for it. I think of this natural building that's a vehicle for what God wants to do and how God has gifted that to us and the miracle that took place in us getting this building. Uh, I think of us outgrowing this venue and planting out to Waterlooville, who this morning are meeting in Waterlooville Community Centre and impacting that community. But I'll be honest, one of the greatest joys for Kirsty and I is when the kids go out each week. 
And we see the growth, not just numerically, but again spiritually, the growth that has happened in family church haven't. But I remember when we planted 13 years ago, and Bob, you were there, we just had a couple of kids. And one of them was, was mine, and she was a baby. She had no option but to come. So there was like one other child, and it was like probably two, the pits actually. And so that's what we had. And so we kept seeing, God, I thank you for the increase. I thank you for what you're going to do. I thank you for what you're going to do. And we set this agenda that we would always serve however many children, whether it was one or two or three, we would serve them like there were hundreds in the room. Because he who is faithful with little will be entrusted with much. And so I look at how we've seen growth upon growth. But what one of the greatest joys is seeing some who were in kids' church now rising up to be young people and adults who are serving in the house of God and living in kingdom ways. But you know, one of the reasons I believe that God has blessed us in that way is because we are a church who say we don't just want kids to attend church. We want kids to know God, to love God, and to walk in the ways of God. This is a place where we will always have the agenda that children and young people are celebrated. This is their church. Okay, I, I need you to understand, this is their church as much as our church. This isn't an adult's church where the t- kids tag along. The reason we've got them in the kids' church is not so that we can concentrate on the serious business and just get them out of the way. This is their community and their faith journey as much as it is ours. But in kids' church right now, as we often say, we're not babysitting them. As I said, we're not like, right, you guys, come out of the room, just come, be quiet, sit in the corner so that the adults can learn about the things of God. No, in those rooms in different ages and different, you know, you've got from the very smallest to the youth, they're learning about who God is. They're learning in this society that God is for them and not against them. They're learning that God is with them in every single battle and situation that they face in life. They are learning about the goodness and the generosity of who God is. They are learning about kingdom ways and how to live for him. And in a world that forecasts endless doom and gloom and what the society looks like we choose to stand up and say no 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 we believe for our young people that they will know their God and they will do mighty exploits anybody in agreement with me this morning but when I listen to the news and I see what they say I say no 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 my God says different about the young people who are part of family church haven't but as we believe God for them it doesn't matter if they have a momentary wander away that they will serve the purposes of God in their own generation That's what we believe over our young people. We don't give up. We step up. We don't bemoan this generation. We support this generation. We don't throw the baton to one side. We place it firmly in the hands of those who are to follow. See, in our kids' church rooms, I keep pointing over there. That's because that's where the rooms are. If you've never walked around the building. In our kids' church rooms this morning, there are future parents in there. There are future leaders. There are... I often use this phrase, there are barristers and there are baristas. Because I, I don't care what they end up doing in this life as long as they're kingdom people. There are people who are going to be representing the kingdom of God in workplaces and in streets and in families. And we want to give the very best of who we are to them. But the reality that we contend with is that there is an enemy who will always attempt to quash the destiny of God upon a child when they are young. You say, well, what makes it? Read the Bible. Read the Bible. Think about Moses. That there was a destiny upon Moses' life to bring the children of Israel out of slavery and captivity and bring them into the promise of God for their life. To take them out of Egypt. So what did the enemy do? He used Pharaoh. 
And he tried to do away with all the, the young Hebrews boys of a certain age. He tried to do away with that so that there would be, uh, the destiny would be quashed because the enemy knows that if he can quash it in seed form, it's a whole lot easier than dealing with a kingdom harvest and the destiny of God upon a young person. So he'll always go after the child. Now remember, Moses was a type and a shadow of Jesus. That means that what you see in the Old Testament, Jesus reveals in the New Testament. And so just as Moses set free the nation of Israel out of slavery and captivity and brought them into victory and promise, so Jesus Christ, our high priest, has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and set us free from slavery to sin and brought us into the promise of God, which is new creation life. Amen? So what did the enemy do? He uses Herod to try and do away from Jesus because he knows the destiny that is upon a child's life. But when God has placed a godly destiny upon a young child's life, you better believe that the enemy will try to throw everything. Why is there record levels of anxiety in our young people today? Now, there's many things that we could look at, but the primary root is this, that the enemy wants to quash any godly destiny that is upon our young people and he'll use anything that he can in order to target their lives. We have a responsibility to play. And I see that there's a responsibility upon the church, this community, you and I, to come alongside parents and say, we'll help with this next generation. And that includes you. So what does that look like practically? What does it look like to be involved in raising the next generation and passing on the kingdom baton? Now there's a number that I'm going to share with you this morning, but the first one is an obvious one. And that's through some serving in kids' church. Now, I know that when I say this, any time I preach a message and include this in it, there's some who you genuinely can't, and then there's others who are like, hope he doesn't look at me. Okay, um, <laughs> just, just look at my feet for a little while. Listen, we're never going to drag anybody to be a part of kids' church. But I want you to understand that actually serving our young people is a joy, it's not a chore. It's a joy, it's not a burden. Now, a couple of years ago, before lockdown, I was doing something about kids' church, and I asked some of our kids' church leaders and workers, just to say, I said, look, tell me the truth. Why do you serve in kids' church? And this is some of their responses. So these are not made up, okay? Genuinely, I stand here, and these are truthful statements. I love helping in kids' church because our children remind me what Christ-like faith is all about. I learn from them as much as I hope they learn from me. And I would say kids have such a simple yet profound faith and trust in God. Working with the kids reminds me that my relationship with God should always be the same. And I would say I want to serve in children's church so that the young people will know God and have great foundations. As a result, hopefully they'll have a relationship with God and be all he created them to be. But when you volunteer to help in kids' church or youth, you don't just give out, you gain. You gain in abundance. And the truth is, you know, any time I preach a message like that, we're always looking for people to serve. Now, I'm not going to put sub-sub stories of people who are out there week in, week out, because we don't run on guilt. But we do believe that church is a place that is built on the commitment of the many, not the few. And so I want to encourage some of you today. We're not looking for teachers. We've got great teachers. We're looking for helpers who may be once every three weeks, once a month, once even every six weeks, you say, do you know what, I'll come alongside these people in serving our children and young people. Maybe you've joined us since lockdown and you say, do you know what, I, I'm now a part of this kingdom family. I, I've now made home here. I want to encourage you 
to come on board and be a part of what we're doing with our children and young people. Now, again, I don't want anyone signing out of a guilt trip because what you do is you join a team and you leave three weeks later. I want people to serve and to give out of revelation and understanding of its importance. Same with Momentum Youth Group. But on a Friday night, I just want to honour um, Ian, who's not is in with the youth again this morning with Ignition, and also Lauren. But every other Friday night, at the end of a busy week and work and at the end of a long day, they're here serving our youth, saying, no, 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 we're going to stand for this next generation. While we're just doing whatever we do on a Friday night, they're here week in, week out, every other week, serving our young people and being kingdom light to them. So again, if you want to serve with the youth, come and speak to us, whatever that may look like. Okay, so we can serve and help out in kids' church. How else can we take responsibility? By being an encouragement. Don't underplay what one statement from you can mean to our children and young people. Now, of course, if you're speaking to a teenager, I may just go, mm. <laughs> But often things are going in, because I know, I've been a teenager and so have you. And we thought we ruled the world and knew everything about how everything works. Very often statements are made that actually make a difference to a child or a young person, but you'll only recognize it later on. Well, you may never hear of a difference you've made, but actually it made a massive difference. Encourage, show an interest in our young people. Show them that they're a vital part of our church community. Ask them how they're doing. Ask them how school is. Encourage them in their faith. Come alongside parents. It's not easy raising children in this day and age. Come alongside parents. Encourage them in that way. How else? Praying. Now again, something, this is something that we can all do and actually something that we all need to be doing. Let's build a commitment to pray for this next generation. Let's commit to being people who seek God. Don't just whinge about how the youth are today. Get on your knees and seek God for this next generation, that they will do mighty exploits for him. If you're a parent or grandparent or family member, take this responsibility seriously. Pray for our children. As they're heading out to school, pray for our children and what they're going to face on that day. If, if you're older and your, your, your child or young person is older and they've now left home and they've got children of their own, pray for them as they parent. Pray for your grandchildren. Pray, 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 whether they're in church or not. Let's be a praying church. Part of this relay race is that we have a responsibility to pass the kingdom message to the next generation. One of our family values, we have 12 family values. Every family has values that sets the culture of the house. And so it is with family church. And one of our family values, we looked at these many years ago, is that we are generational. We are generational. Listen to this. We are a people who have a commitment to raising the next generation who love to put the best of who we are into raising children and young people to know and to serve God. Okay, let's, let's bring this in this morning. I know it's a specific message, but I thought it was an important one. But as we run this race of faith that God has set before us, let, let's be conscious there's a responsibility upon us. Not just natural parents, grandparents, cousins, whatever. As church community, there's a responsibility upon us to pass on the kingdom baton. You see, generations came before us and passed on the baton. Before 
even our grandparents or great-grandparents were alive. But then there was a generation that came just before you. There are people in your life that you could think of today. Some of them are elderly. Some of them have gone to be with the Lord. Some of them are still young enough to be around. But they passed you the kingdom baton. You can think of them this morning. You're seeing them in, in your mind's eye. You're thinking of the names who stood and gave you the kingdom baton. Some of them, when you were very far from God. Some of them, when you, there was no reason why they would choose to continue to believe in you and stand with you. And they passed you the kingdom baton. And they prayed for you. There are people who prayed day after day after day for you. You might know about it, you may not know about it. But they stood in a gap and they handed on the kingdom baton. Think of a lady, it's in my notes, but just looking at Colette, I think of a lady called Anne. And Colette will know Anne, Andy will know Anne. There's a lady called Anne who, she was known as Auntie Anne. She was known by everyone but as Auntie Anne. And she was a lady who passed on the kingdom baton. She would turn up in Buckland and do Monday night club and serve the kids and the youth week after week after week after week. Do you know what? Not many people know the name Anne Sumner. Not many people know who she was. But I believe that when she walked into heaven a few years ago, and again, this isn't, I'm not saying from a biblical, I can't point this out, but, but I believe that heaven stood to applaud a faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. Because she dared to give the kingdom baton to people. I was one of those young people who she attempted to give a kingdom baton to and she tried her best. But I remember going to see her just before she passed away and I sat with her and she was now frail, cancer had got a hold of her body. But as I sat there, I was able to say thank you. Because she didn't see any fruit in the short term. In fact, far from it. What she saw was somebody wandering further and further away. And then there was years where she didn't, wouldn't have known where I was, what I was up to, and just wandered away. But I was able to sit with her, and she would say, and the first, one of the first things she asked me was, so what's your kids' church like? Honest to God, what's your kids' church like? But she wanted to know what we were doing for children and young people in family church. Come on, let's be a people who take responsibility for this next generation. Encourage them, pray for them. Listen, some of you serve. Gelling Kids Church, not out of guilt, but out of desire. Not because I've told a nice story, but because you say, no, I want to take responsibility. And people may not sing your name, people may not clap you on earth, but there'll be a clap in heaven. There'll be a reward in heaven where people say, thank you for standing by these children and young people. Let's be a church that pray for our young people because it's not time to give up. It's time to step up. Let's just close our eyes this morning. Time's gone. We've only got a couple of moments left. But here's what I want to do. I want to pray for our children and young people. If you have a personal need, at the end we're going to invite you just to come forward just as tea and coffee is taking place. And if you say, I need to give my life to Jesus, come and speak to us. If you have a health need or whatever it might need, we want to pray for you. But in this moment specifically, in these couple of moments that we've got remaining, I want to pray for every child and young person who's a part of this faith community. Heavenly Father, 
Your word speaks of a time when you looked for somebody to stand in a gap. And in your word it says, but I could find no one. But Lord, we don't want that to be true of this generation, but we want to be people who stand in the gap and pray, who stand in the gap and love, who stand in the gap and time and time again pick these young children up and these young people up, no matter where they're at in life, and dust them down and say, you can run again. You can run again. God, help us to be a church of grace towards these children and young people. Help us to be a church full of wisdom where the world is throwing so much junk at their lives, bombarding their minds. Help us to be a house of wisdom. Help every generation, no matter what age or stage we're at in life, help us to just speak with such clarity and wisdom into their situations. Holy Spirit, would you give us words of knowledge for what they're going through? Would you give us words of wisdom that we would look at a young person and instantly, Holy Spirit, you would give us the words that would reach right into their heart, that they would think, how did you know that? But Holy Spirit, you know everything about every single child and youth member. Lord, I thank you that we are a generational church, that we honour every single generation. But this morning as we put a spotlight on our children and young people, Lord, we pray your kingdom come and your will be done in their lives. Lord, we stand and we we prophesy over their lives that they will know their God and they will do mighty exploits. Lord, like Daniel in the land of Babylon, like children of God in a world that's so warped, Lord, I thank you that they will not bow the knee to the gods of this world. Lord, I thank you that they will not bow the knee to impurity. They will not bow the knee to lust. They will not bow the knee to pride. They will not bow the knee to unrighteous power. They will not bow the knee just to anger and aggression that is so gripping this world right now. But they will know their God and they will do mighty exploits. Father, I thank you over their future. We just speak protection. And Lord, for every young person who's away from you right now, we thank you. We call them home. We call them home. Lord, your word says that our prayers make a difference. That when we declare your word, when we stand on your promises, that Lord, supernaturally things begin to take place. That there is a spiritual war waging all around our young people and our children right now and as men and women of God we stand in the gap and we say no no to every bit of darkness that's coming against our young people and children we stand and we hold back every enemy force and God we ask you that we would be light in this dark world Lord I thank you that these young children they're not just the next generation they are the now generation And I thank you that even this week as they go into playgrounds and into classrooms and into colleges and into universities, Lord, I thank you that they will be your evangelists in those places, that they will stand for purity in an impure playground, that they will stand for righteousness in an unrighteous classroom, that they will be the wisdom of you, God, in those situations, Lord. Father, thank you that you use the young to confound the old. Lord, I thank you that teachers will look to them as examples 
examples of what it is. Lord, we prophesy over the children and young people of our church and over this community, Lord. Those that we saw come into our kids club. Those who we see come into Tots and Toys. Lord, those in our community, we thank you that Lee Park and Haven will be known as a place where record levels of anxiety are plummeting. Lord, we thank you that this will be an area and a house where your name will be lifted high. And as your name is lifted high, anxiety will stop. Peace will reign in the lives of our young people and anxiety will stop. Lord, thank you that your word promises peace for those whose mind has stayed on you. Lord, I thank you that our young people's minds will be on you, on who you are. Lord, just break every bondage over every young person. Lord, for those caught in the, in the grip of pornography, Lord, we just ask you to release them from that. Break that off their lives, Lord. For those who are caught in stealing and trying to be part of a crowd, Lord, would they just have such a desire within them to follow you, Jesus, to pursue you and not the crowd? And Lord, we thank you, we thank you that they will not depart from your ways. And for those who maybe have, that they will be found coming home. Lord, we prophesy as for them and their household, they will serve the Lord. I thank you, Lord. But just like King David, they will serve the purposes of God in their own generation. Thank you, Lord. And help us, Lord, each and every single one of us, to play our part in passing on that kingdom battle, we pray. Amen. Come on, if you're in agreement, just give a shout of praise to God. We thank you, God. We thank you, God. We thank you, God.